always, it's an honor to be up here and to be sharing the Word of God with you. Um, as we all know, we're in a, in a series uh, in work and faith. So, marrying our work and our faith as if they were ever separated. A lot of times people look at the different parts of their life and they feel like they have to be separate. But when we are God's people, everything that we do to His glory is worship. And it depends on the way that we do it. So uh, Keith spoke a couple of weeks ago and he spoke about um, bringing the gospel to every relationship that we have. And he said that we are all called to be ministers. And that there should be no separation between our work and church life, as I just said. And that there's no sacred secular divide. Mike, last week spoke about our calling as priests. And I like what he said about his Sunday school teacher. The Sunday school teacher said, I'm going to try that old Alabama accent. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and UPS pays me to do it. Was that okay? <laughs> and he said that ministry flows from our identity in Christ, and that God has chosen us all for a purpose. Today we're going to be uh, speaking about uh, what, what the church has called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, we can apply this to our lives. God has called us to make disciples, but we're going to be talking about specifically uh, within within the place of work. But if you don't have a job, these principles work in every aspect of your life. So it won't be a total waste of time for you. Yeah, so we're going to be reading the, the Great Commission. Uh, it's found in Matthew 28, and starting from verse 18. Yeah, so I was, I, as I was doing some research, I found out that uh, two-thirds of Americans are in the workforce. So I thought that was an interesting number. I wasn't sure. I was like, I was wondering, uh, would it be a large percentage or a smaller percentage? So this applies to most uh, people. The Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. it says, And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you to thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, that you have saved us. Lord, and we th- we are thankful for the, for the blessing to be able to partner with you in the building up of your kingdom, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we may uh, be inspired, that we may embrace our, our identity and embrace the call that you have given us to go make disciples. Let it be a joy for us to be obedient to you, that your command may not be burdensome to us, Lord, but we may uh, be obedient to you, recognizing that your way of life is perfect and it is good for us to do this for you, Lord. And we ask you all this in your name. Amen. So the big idea is that God has called us to impact the world with the gospel by strategically placing us in our jobs to make disciples. God has called us to impact the world with the gospel by strategically placing us in our jobs to make disciples. So we have joined a team that nobody sits on the bench. We are all players here. We are all important parts here, and God is strategically placing us. He has placed us in our neighborhoods, He has placed us in our families, and He has placed us in our jobs, which we're looking at specifically today, 
um, so, so that, so that he can impact the world through, through us. There are people in our neighborhoods and in our families and in our jobs that God has called us specifically to minister to. And we, uh, we trust that God is sovereign. Um, Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. We believe that God is sovereign in our life, has placed us in areas and wants to use us there. One thing that, if you think about it, we have 24 hours. Most of us should, or not, not me, but most of us sleep at least eight hours, right? And then so, and most of us that, that are working, we spend at least eight hours a day at work. So this is one third of our day from Monday to Friday we spend at work. So this is, this is most of our time. We have relationships. For some of us, it might be even our social lives, the people that we see, the people that we connect with. This is a big part of our lives. So we have to be intentional. Just like God was intentional in placing us there, we have to be intentional with the time and what we do there. And before we get a little bit more into it, I want to speak to you about someone that was probably one, he's one of the most impacting people in my lives. And, um, his name is Manny Torres. And I might have re- spoken about him to some of you guys. I refer to him as my spiritual father. So I met Manny Torres when I was about 19 years old. I got saved when I was 18. And I went to go visit a church, and he was a youth pastor at a church. He was a little older than I was, maybe in his early 30s, when I was uh, 19. And um, so when I met this guy and I heard him speak, um, I, I don't know, I was just I, w- I was just really ministered to by, by first of all, his wisdom, uh, his understanding of the Word of God, the way that he explained it. And I was ministered to by his compassion towards people and his love. But one thing that really, really hit me is like he spoke about God like if he knew him personally. Beautiful. And I, so, and I always used to think about, man, if I ever needed to speak to someone, I would go look for this guy named Manny, right? So fast forward a couple of years, I start working at a hospital in Brooklyn, and Manny works there. So, you, we, you know, he remembered me that one time that we, we met, um, and I would, I would bump into him in the hallways. He used to work in the receiving dock. At the hospital, so when people when shipments came in, he was one of the people that used to uh, receive the boxes. So we anyway, every time we used to bump into each other in the hallway, we used to talk and and there, I, w- I, w- I would I would want to bump into Manny because he would just you know teach me scripture, uh, teach me uh, how to apply scripture. He would teach me about marriage. I wasn't even married. He would teach me about being a parent. He would just teach me about how to be a man of God. How to be a man that loves God. How to be a man that's passionate about God. And I remember him teaching me, uh, you know, one thing that he told me that if God wants to do something, I have to be crazy enough to believe that God wants to meet, use me to do it. And I've always h- held on to that. So anyway, so for many years we, we became closer friends and, and I saw him not only speaking to me, but I would be in the hallway and I see him speaking to someone else. I see him praying for people. I see people crying while he's talking to them. And then, you know, and when we used to walk around, so Fifth Avenue in my neighborhood, Sunset Park, Brooklyn, is where all the stores are. You have maybe about, it was all storefronts, of course, because it's New York. And, um, and it, there are maybe six or seven stores on each block for about 30 blocks. So you see people walking by, you see people, you know, it's noisy, you hear music. And walking on Fifth Avenue, Manny is like, with Manny is like walking with the president. You know, it was be like, hey yo, brother Manny! 
brother, man, you know, everybody's just calling out to him. And it wasn't like he was like this proud guy, but he'd left an impact or he still is probably on Sunset Park, Brooklyn. And I remember, I remember there was one thing that used to puzzle me about Manny. I'm like, why isn't this guy a pastor? Why does he not open a church? Because I would go. And he was coming minister my youth group. I know they would go. Everybody would go to his church. So in my understanding, it's like, if God uses you, you're supposed to be a pastor. God uses pastors to, to build up the body of Christ. And I would think, man, is there something wrong with him that maybe I don't know about? And now when I think back, I see the impact that he had as brother Manny. He discipled Sunset Park. And he left an impact on the lives of the people around him. And that was, like like I said, it was something that, that would be puzzling, puzzling for me. See, and I think that for me, I just had this false understanding. I had this perception that there's this sacred and secular divide. That there was this thing where, where, where our, our work for God was important, but all the other work that we did wasn't important. And I would see that there were people that are called for ministry and people that are not called for ministry. I would, I, I would also look at the fact that the disciples, when Jesus said, come and follow me, they just dropped everything and go. I was like, man, we're all supposed to do that. And I'm like, why people, why are people not doing that? You know, is there some, do they, maybe they don't have enough faith to be obedient to God. That was my, you know, messed up understanding. But, you know, and I, I saw the rest of the work like if, like if it was a, a, a waste of time. I, I felt like that, that there were things that we did that were spiritual and there were things that we did that were secular. And even like, you know, I mean, in my church, like they, they used to get mad at us for playing basketball because it wasn't something we would, we would spend better, uh, it would be better if we spend our time doing spiritual things and not secular things. So, um, I, I think that, you know, this, this is a, this is a core issue that the church has, has, has gone through for, for its history. And it's actually one of the core issues uh, of, of the Reformation because it was seen like if the priests, were the ones that that had uh, the 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 spiritual jobs, and everybody else's job wasn't really that important. So there's, I think, a lot of Christians live in this tension. Um, I know that that a lot a lot of people, um, maybe they grew up in youth group, they had an impact in your youth group when they had a lot of time, and then all of a sudden they grow up and they have jobs, and they uh, they have children, they have other responsibilities, and everything changes. And I think I've spoken to some people that feel like there are failures. Because they are not in ministry. They feel like, you know, I'm supposed to be doing, you know, spiritual things and not secular things. And not understanding that everything we do is worship to God. So they live this this life split between what they do for God and what they do, you know, that that's secular. On the other hand, I see that there are a lot of people that do not uh, really uh, get involved in the ministry in church. They become spectators, and this is very famous in, in the American church. People come in and they want to know, how are you going to entertain me? Instead of coming here and understanding that we're supposed to get together so that we can be built up to go out there and be ministers. That's why the body gets together. We, we talk about our, our mission, know Jesus, love people, and impact your world. So uh, have you got, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the, the 2080 rule. Is used in business and also in churches. They say that 20% of the people do 80% of the work of ministry. So we look at it like a lot of people look like, I'm going to come in and be entertained. And it's the pastors and the leaders that do the heavy lifting. 
Um, so Ed's stats are actually things that it's 15, 1585, which is actually worse. And he says that the greatest sin of the church is disobedience. And a quote by him says, Part of it is that we, ha- we have to recognize that we've created the system that we loathe. I don't think the reason 15% serve is because 85% are lazy. We've created a system that glorify, glorifies the clergy and marginalizes the laity. We got the outcome we created programs for. We've become clergified. They are three, there's a three-tier structure. Lay people, clergy, and missionaries. All religions tend to create a class of people who are above others. So one, they can revel in that. And two, the rest of us can say it's their job. Christianity was started without any of those structures and ended up like so many false religions do when they create a ministry caste structure. When we see real moments of God, uh, when we see real movements of God take off, they happen when people are free. When people are free to understand that all that we do is worship to God. So this is a, a, a very common perception. Uh, one day I heard Lecrae speaking about this, and he said that, that a lot of times the church makes the ministers look like the real players and that the, the, the lay people are the JV squad, you know? And it's not like that. We're all, all part of the team. Martin Luther said that all Christians are truly of the spiritual estate, and there is no difference among them except that of office. We are all one body, yet every member has its own work by which it serves the other. Therefore, just as those who are called spiritual, that is the priest, bishop, and popes, uh, popes, he was speaking within the Catholic Church context, are neither different from other Christians nor superior to them, except that they they are charged with the administration of the word. So we are one body. We all have our gifting. We all have our place in the body of Christ. And as we use those gifts, we serve one another, and we build one another up, and we make Jesus famous we make jesus famous but he was saying that the leaders of the church have found their place their place is to build up the other people in the church and to and to and to prepare them for ministry and to minister to them the word of god ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers and we're going to call those the church leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes." So basically, the church leaders are here to help us to, to grow in knowing God accurately, knowing Him through the Scriptures. They're here to help us to grow, to become more and more like Jesus, and they are here to equip us for the ministry. They're here to equip us and to go and to be the ones that minister out there to the world. Not that they don't minister out there to the world, but they're here to equip us so that we can go out there and have an impact on, on, on our lives. So one thing I do want to say uh, before getting a little bit more into it, I know there's like a long introduction, uh, is that all work has dignity because it reflects God's image in us. We are... Um, 
you know, we're talking about uh, being uh, disciple makers out there in, in the workforce, but our work itself glorifies God. God has given us all talents. He has given us all gifts. He's gracious towards all of humanity. Might not be saving grace, but there's still a grace there. And we see as people that are created in His image, we have the ability to, to think, to create, to process, to build, to name things, to reason, to perform, to make beautiful art, to make beautiful music, and to make good food. We have this ability and this is and, and whether they realize it or not, whether they believe in God or not, people themselves glorify God by doing these amazing things. Because it is only because we are created in the image of God that we can do these things. I, I haven't tried this yet, but I'm going to see if I have a, a friend that's an atheist and just make fun of him, how he glorifies God in his life. But um, anyway, so... <laughs> But we all all enjoy, uh, I mean, I was thinking about the air conditioner. How many people are grateful for air conditioners? Right? We are all, right? Especially here in Texas. I don't know if it was a Christian that invented it. But because we created in the image of God, someone had the ability to, to create this. And that itself glorifies God. But when we look, when we look at that in our jobs, uh, just our work, like I said, we're called to make disciples, but just in our work, whether we're working with computers, building something, caring for people, shooting three-pointers, driving a truck, approving claims, organizing projects, teaching, or if we give good customer service, or we're flipping burgers, or cleaning houses, or making laws, putting out fires, entering data, helping keep order, brewing coffee, making wine, or playing the tuba. We glorify God in our job. And I don't know if I left anything out. Hopefully I, I, I got all type of work in there. All type of work has dignity and God is glorified through it. But we have a higher calling. It is not just for us to glorify God in our work. But God has called us to, to impact the world. And now we're going to go back to the Great, the great Commission. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So right before Jesus ascended, he gathered with his disciples on the mountain and he gave them this commission. And the word commission means an authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner or to perform a prescribed act. It is a charge. It is a charge. Authority has is given to someone else to act in beha- on behalf of someone else. So Jesus is saying is all authority has been given to me. And now I, I authorize you to go and to go make disciples, to go represent me. So there is a commissioner and there is a commissioned. And the commissioned is entrusted to represent and to go in the name of the commissioner to perform the task. And for us, that's to go and to make disciples. So a lot of people in the church hear the word go and they think about missionaries. A lot of people hear the word baptize and they think about, oh, that's done in church by the pastors. And a lot of people hear the command that Jesus gives to teach us to observe all that he's taught and they say, oh, that's for the pastors. They do that. All I need to do is just come here and sit. 
But we know that that's not uh, the way it is. And also, when, when, when he said, go make disciples, most theologians would agree that a better translation would be, as you go, make disciples. As you go, make disciples. As you go on with your, with your life, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to work, as you go to your so- kids' soccer games. As you go, we are called to be disciples who make disciples. And we see, and, and it's tough because there, it was a different culture, so there, were, there weren't as many businesses and people weren't, weren't working for other people as much. So it's hard to find a scripture that teaches about this, but there, there is truth in the Word of God that we can apply to our workplace. We see Jesus, um, Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus wasn't preaching. He was thirsty. And he had an opportunity to preach the gospel to someone that was there. We see uh, in, in Acts 17, Paul was waiting for Silas and Timothy in Athens. And it says that when he, that he was, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was full of idols. So he went and he started sharing. So, I mean, just think about it. Are you provoked when you see the sin of other people? When you see their brokenness, when you know that unless the Lord saves them, their destiny is to spend eternity apart from him. Is, is your spirit provoked when you see this? We also see when, when Paul and Silas were in the jail and they were praising God and, and, and God set them free and, and the, 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 the jailer was about to kill himself because they were going free. And he said, they said, no, wait, we're still here. And what did they do? They told him about Jesus. So, I mean, I hope nobody here goes to jail, but just shows you. In, in all these situations, these disciples found opportunities to go and preach the gospel. And we spend one third of our days in a place with the same people. And an understanding, I know every job is different. Every job, uh, there, there are places that are more friendlier than others. There are places that we have more contact with people than others. But regardless of what the situation is, God has called us to go make disciples. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So sharing the word of God. So Jesus wants us to, 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 to encourage, encourage people and to, and to, and to shine his light on people. Let people know what the word of God says. Speak about, if you're just starting and you don't know much, think about what you heard on Sunday and practice speaking to people about that. You know, and it's important that we won't have a word to share if we don't study the word of God. So it's, it's important for us to be able to do that. So Jesus, uh, uh, so as followers of Christ, he doesn't only want us to, to represent him in, in our, in our holy lives and all that. Uh, he wants us to go and to, to join him in his mission and, and to go and, and, and to share the gospel. And this is the, the mission of the church. This is the mission of the body of Christ. So, we are to be kingdom-minded in everything that we do. So God has called us to be disciples at work. He has scattered us into the workplace to be his disciples. And he, and like I said, he is glorified in our work alone. But he also wants us to, to be obedient to the higher call. And that's to, to go and make disciples. So as we become more and more like Jesus, we want to represent him where we are as his disciples. So how do we be his disciples at work? And I've heard uh, Keith mention this before, through our character, our conduct, and our conversation. 
In Colossians 2, it says, and one thing, um, we've spoken about this before, but the context is a little bit different uh, when we talk about, about slaves than American slavery. Right away, we want to think of, you know, we, we, as Americans, we think about American slavery. Uh, they were bond servants, a lot of them. They, they owed money, so they were, you know, they, they were paying off their debt by working for people. These weren't people that were kidnapped because they were a certain race. This is a whole different system. So Colossians 3.22 says, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with, the, with sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So doing all things as we are doing it, for the Lord, because guess what? We do all things for the Lord. When we are His people, everything we do and the way we do it should glorify Him and should worship Him. And over here is talking about, you know, not, not being people pleasers, not just waiting, not just doing something when your boss is around. It's teaching us to be people of integrity. People that are the same regardless if there's no one around or if there's people around us. So, uh, so, we, when we uh, when we do things and glorify God in the way that we do it, the truth is that we should be the company's best employees. We should be the best workers. We should be the ones that they can count on and, and trust in. Titus two nine says, "Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, and that means to to like steal. You know, typically little things." So not pilfering, not showing all, uh, not, sorry, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So the way that we live our lives, we make the gospel attractive to people or we make it less attractive to people if we don't live according to God's ways. We inspire people. We want people to taste and see that the Lord is good. By us, by us presenting him and, and, and speaking to them, of course, but also in the way that we live. They have to see that there's something to life besides where they're living. So also we want to be able to represent Christ in our conduct. Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how, sh- how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Saul had two main functions. One is to is for flavor, but is also uh, a, a preservative. And I think during this time, that was probably what they were thinking about. You know, they didn't have refrigerators back then, so what they did was they put salt on meat to preserve it. So either way, whether it's a, a, a flavor or preservative, uh, salt becomes useless when it get when it become when it is impure and mixed with 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 other other things. So in the same way, if we if we are not pure in our life and the way that we re- represent God, it, it, it's almost like we become useless. Salt is an agent of change, and and pure salt is what has the the most impact. He said also that we're the light of the world. Um, Jesus said in John eight fourteen, I am the light in the world. And now he's saying here, you are the light of the world. 
Why? Because he's the perfect light and we are called to reflect this perfect light to this world of darkness. Uh, the world, the world is in darkness. They do not understand it. And I see, and God has called us to shed light, his truth and his light to these people. So, and, and, it, and it's not, it's, and this is, you know, and, and the truth is that when you are light, darkness does not like light. So there's going to be some pushback. There are going to be people that are angry. There are going to be people that are going to say, Oh, you think you're better than me. Or they're going to say, Oh, you think you're perfect. Or they're going to try to point out your sin and try to, you know, say, Oh, well, you're not perfect either. And then you're like, I know. That's why I need Jesus, you know? <laughs> so, you know, so, so, and, and even in the middle of this, you know, the Bible says that, 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 that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the middle of being rejected by others, there should be joy here. And, and, and the truth is that us being a light of the world, if we're selfish people, it's going to be hard for us to put ourselves out there. Because we're not going to want to have the, feel the rejection. We're not going to want to go out of our way. This is a hard thing to do. But let's find joy in living out God's ways because His ways are perfect. So we are to be salt and light. We are to live pure and holy before others. And even in the attitude of our work. And also in the, in our interaction with others. So in conversation, Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of, use of the time. Let your speech also always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So in your conversation, what are you speaking about? Are you speaking about things that honor God? And sometimes it's hard not to get caught up in other people's conversations. So be wise in that. Because believe it or not, people are watching you. And people want to trip you up. They want to have something to point over and say, Hey, now you're talking to me about Jesus the other day, you know? And also, and, and what, how are you speaking? Think about the language that you're using. Are you using language that honors God? Are you, are you, are you, are you intentional about, about your conversations? Are you a light bearer in the way that you speak to others? So, God has called us to be disciples at work. The way we live, the way we represent Christ. A disciple is a student. It is a learner. Jesus has called us to follow Him and to be like Him. Of course, we know that we're not perfect. We're going to fall short. But this is what we're called to be. We're called to be disciples. So not only are we called to be disciples at work, we're called to make disciples at work. So right away, when we think about making disciples at work, I think that we all, all of a sudden think about evangelism. But I, I, want, to, I want to point out something. I, I want to tell you guys about something that, that I experienced. A couple of years ago, when, um, so I, I was looking for a church. It didn't have a consistent place of, of fellowship and um and I, I i i was at work and i'm like man i just fellowship is important we encourage each other and build each other up you know we we grow cold without fellowship so i found a friend at the job that was a christian and we just started talking about the lord and then there was another girl that just got saved we started talking about the lord and we have bible study at work and this Girl got saved at the job. She's sitting back there. Her name is Ivy. You know, we so we man so we had we had good fellowship and our break times. I mean, sometimes you know we used to stay a little longer than we were supposed to, but we just used to be talking about the Lord. So we had discipleship at work. Our break times at lunch, uh, 
you know, and then we started getting together after that and having everybody, all these young people come to my house, staying till five in the morning, you know. And it was that we had good times and, and we were intentional about, about speaking about the Lord. And before that, there were some believers that were at the job and I was just shocked at they would just not even talk to each other. I'm like, what's going on here? So we started building a culture where we loved each other and we'll build each other and encouraging each other and praying for each other. We knew what everybody was going through in our lives. So, I mean, and like I said, this was at my job. It happens to be a Christian job. I know that some jobs aren't like that. But it doesn't mean that we can't create these relationships at our jobs. Or in our neighborhoods, just for people that don't work. But, you know, so we can do this, but it takes being intentional. It takes uh, being people that, 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 that care for other people and that, and that want to, and to want to build, up, uh, build each other up. Ephesians 4.15 says, speaking the, tr- speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it, it is equipped, which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the body builds itself up in love. And yes, we can, we do this on Sunday mornings and hopefully we get to, to have real fellowship outside of the service with, with the people in our community. But the body of Christ is bigger than city church. The body of Christ, you know, we are called... So part of the discipleship process is to help build each other up. Yes, we are called to evangelize, and we're going to speak about that. But we are called to build each other up. So you know that there's a brother at work that's going through something. Then you know what? Encourage them. You know, pray for them. Get some scripture to encourage them. And and rally around them. Because they might not have the community that we have here at City Church. I'm just letting you know. I mean, this is not... Not all churches have, have, have intimate communion like we do. Right. I'm letting you know as a person that's been around. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful what we have here. I just yes. gotta say that. Yes. Amen. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God has was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting them the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God so we are new creations we, we come to Christ and we live for Him and we are called to lead people to be reconciled to God. We are, we are, we are born enemies of God, but we want to lead people to Jesus and Jesus becomes that bridge between them and God. Apart from them coming to Christ, they will spend eternity apart from God. And this needs to, to stir up our spirits when we see that. We are called to share the good news to people. We are called to be ambassadors. And an ambassador is a, is a respected official acting as a representative of a nation. For us, we are expat, uh, ambassadors for Christ. We have been commissioned to go and to represent Jesus wherever we are. And if, and if, if, we, if we are growing to be mature disciples, genuine disciples, then we want to carry out His mission and as to go out there. You know, missionaries are called to other places in the world. We are missionaries too. And you gotta ask yourself, it might not be a country, but where are you called to? 
And again, we talk about our neighborhoods. We talk about our families. We talk about our place of work, the place that we spend one third of our day. There are people around that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. There are people that need to understand that there is hope because they have none. There are people that need to understand that there's more to life than just being selfish and wanting to do you. Because that breaks us. And people live in this hamster wheel and they continue to run and they do not get anywhere. So we need to be able to lead them out, shine our light and lead them to know who Jesus is. So, and, 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 and we, and I understand there's a struggle there, but we gotta ask ourselves, do we really believe what we are talking about here? Do we really believe that Jesus is the good news and He is the only hope for the world? Do we really believe that? And if we believe that, then we need to share the gospel. We need to, you know, a lot of times when I'm about to do something, I always got, I always talk about this, I gotta think about why I'm doing it. Why should I share the gospel? Number one, because I'm being obedient to the call. God has called us to share the gospel. Number two, I'm doing it as worship to God. I am glorifying God by making Him famous. By boasting in the Lord, telling of who He is, and what He's done in my life, and what He does for the people that come to Him. And also, I am loving the people around me. What greater love can we show someone but to send, to, to share the good news of the gospel that's going to save their souls? And we love people when we do things for them. We buy them stuff and that's great. But what greater love can we show someone but to leave them to the place where they will spend eternity with God? Like I said, Paul was provoked when he saw the people and their sinfulness. So, I'm going to end with a couple of points, and I actually stole Mike's points because they were so good last week. <laughs> so, number one, we need to be responsible. We can't abandon our responsibility to make disciples. And even in our job, as we glorify God in the way that we work, this opens doors for us to be able to, 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 uh, to minister to others. And, and like I said, there's a struggle here. Like I said, some jobs are friendlier than others. Maybe you don't have as much interaction. But let your light shine so that people can see that there's something different about you. Be intentional with the, with the few minutes of your conversation. And I'm not saying that you're just going to talk about Jesus all the time. But connect with people. Connect with people about different things. About sports. About movies. About, you know, whatever it is. Connect with people. Show them that we're, that we're human beings too. Be responsible with the call and be responsible with your job. So am I called to, to do what my job pays me for? Or am I called to make disciples? Yes. Yes. In other words, both of them. Be a great worker. I, I, one thing that I used to try to do when I was working on my... And I wasn't always a chaplain, just so you guys know. So I wasn't always doing ministry at my job. I was just uh, one of the workers. I was a caseworker. So what I would do is I would try to do my work real quick. And then I see that that's a new employee. I'm like, let me go help them out. Let me go serve them and, and help them out. And, and maybe I can be able to have some more conversations, connect with them, you know, and, and just be able to, to share the gospel. We have to be intentional about this. It's not going to happen by, by itself. So number two, be credible. Again, character, conduct, conversation. If, if you don't represent Christ, they won't care what you have to say. 
And sometimes a lack of ca- character can even hinder them coming to Christ. Um, I know, I know most people that did not grow up in church, or maybe some people that did, they might look at certain people and say, oh, that's a Christian. These are what the Christians are. They talk like this, but they live like that. You know? And I know a lot of people that have experienced that. And they were turned off to Christ because of His people. And the way that they live. Their lack of love. Their, their attitude. Their sin, their, their, their living sinful lives and then talking about Jesus. You know? It's not like that. So, and, and you know what? Also, if you fall, it's okay. We all make mistakes. And I think there's a way to graciously, uh, be humble, which I'm, that's number five, but to be humble and go before people and, 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 and apologize to them. If you misrepresent Christ, apologize to them. If you get, if you snap at someone by accident, apologize to them and just let them know, hey, that, that's not the way I'm supposed to be credible. Represent Christ. Be light. Be salt. Be godly. Number three, be prayerful. Ask God to open doors and be ready when He does. Ask for guidance. Ask, pray for the souls of the people around you. Pray for opportunities to be able to share with them. Pray for boldness, right? Because we all need it. We need boldness to be able to proclaim the truth. Pray for compassion. Pray, pray that God will help you to see them through His, through His eyes. Pray to see their brokenness. So be prayerful. Be praying to ask God to lead you when you do this. Also, uh, one of the most important ones is be available. Be available. When you are salt and light in a place, guess what? People are going to be drawn to you. Yes, you're going to have those people that get angry at you and they're going to say stuff. But guess what? When they're going through something, who's going to be the first person that they go to? When God, because God is working in, in people's lives at the same time. You never know what God, and so even, uh, just, if, if someone does get, you know, angry at you and starts, you know, just treating you bad, do not, don't respond back, don't, don't respond back like that. Continue to respond in love, because you never know what God is doing in that person's life. You never know what God is doing in that person's life. And a lot of times, before we come to Christ, we start to fight and we start, you know, you know, and yeah, it's it's just, it's just part, for a lot of people, it's part of them coming to Christ. There's this time where where they're angry because they're fighting God and, you know, finally they just let go and they just surrender to Him. So just know that you never know what God is doing in some people's lives. So be available to spend time with people. Breaks, lunchtime. Be there to, to, to speak the truth in love. Don't be afraid to speak the truth. Don't be, do not apologize for anything that Jesus has said. Right. Connect with people outside of work. Invite them over to your house. Invite them out to lunch. Invite them out to dinner. Get your families together. During these times, it are times where you grow and, and get, they get to know you and, um, and win their heart. Win their heart by showing them love and showing them that you care. And also be humble. Serve, serve, serve. And then serve also. But I'm saying, but serve them. Serve them. If there's something you can do, if there's something, if you see them carrying something and they need help or, or doing something in the job that if they're new employees, take time to help them to learn the job a little bit. You know, a lot of people won't do that because they're like, oh, I'm in competition with them. But serve them and help them to be better at what they do. 
Be intentional. Like I said, one third of our days we spend at work. And a lot of time we're spending time with people that don't know Christ. So, and then also there are people that know Christ that might need encouragement. So we need to recognize that we are called. God has commanded us to do this. And He has empowered us and equipped us to be His disciples and to go and share the good news. And to go out and represent Him and lead people to know Him. He's called us to be salt. He's called us to be light. Amen? All right, Lord, we come before you to thank you for all that you have done, Lord. I pray that we may find it a joy to represent you and to go out there into the kingdom, I mean, into, into, the, into the world and represent your kingdom. That you may give us the words to say, that we may love people, give us ideas on how to serve people, but help us to be intentional in what we do. But like we said, Lord, that this may be our worship to you and let us find joy in representing you and leading people to know you. And we ask you all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.